This week, we're going to talk about Letha, aka Midsummer, aka the summer solstice, also known as the t- day of the year when the sun is up the longest. We'll briefly go over the meaning of this time frame on the wheel of the year and what you can do to tune yourself to its subtle energies. It's time to grab your favorite beverage, sit in your favorite chair, and get ready for this episode of Spiritual AF Sundays. Letha, it's all downhill from here. You're listening to Spiritual AF Sundays, created and hosted by The Mystic Geek. If you're looking to explore intriguing questions about the meaning of life and our place in the universe, then you're in the right spot. We dive into topics often discussed as sound bites on social media and take a deeper look. Whether it's woo topics like astrology and mysticism, or seemingly mundane matters like technology and politics, we cover it all. We explore our own thoughts and beliefs, talk to experts, and uncover hidden meanings. These fascinating areas of exploration can help us question ourselves and better understand our world. Ready to grow and explore in your spiritual journey? We're glad you can join us. It's time to start your week off by being spiritual AF. And welcome back, listeners. This is Jessica, the Mystic Geek. And today we are going to be talking about Letha, summer solstice, midsummer, whatever you call this day within your practice. So we're going to start off by first going into, on a high level, the history of this day in the Wheel of the Year. We'll also talk about its significance in the Wheel of the Year. Some of the subtle energies that you might be sensing right now, if you have a little bit more energy attuned, and then finally, how to integrate this celebration into your own life and your own spiritual practice. Let's go ahead and begin with this. Letha, like the other holidays in the Wheel of the Year, is a construct of Wicca. And Wicca actually was founded or established in about the 1950s, 1960s, and it became popular from then on out. And the origins of Wicca actually come from Gerald Gardner, who some believe was initiated into an older coven. Others believe that he found all of this information, compiled it, made up some of his own rituals, derived based on what he found out, and that is how the religion of Wicca was founded. Either way it works, because... No matter what, what it comes down to nowadays is how you practice it, what you believe in, how you relate to it versus its origin story and whether it is super fantastic or whether it has the curtain pulled back and is just a guy in the background like Wizard of Oz. Now, with Wicca, what they were looking for is holidays that went around the solstices and the equinoxes. So the subtle cycles that happen with the sun throughout the year. And what they found was that there were other astrological sites throughout the world, some in Europe, some elsewhere, that would track this timing of the sun. And it's interesting because there's two that I can think of offhand. One being Stonehenge in England, where the sun rises directly above certain stones based on astrological timing or solar timing. And then also in the United States side, there's a Chaco Canyon in New Mexico. At the summer and winter solstices, 
what ends up happening is because of the sun's alignment with the rocks, there is this little sliver of light that shows up on this one exact spot. And it only happens midday on those solstices. So we have evidence through archaeology that our ancestors from thousands and thousands of years tracked the cycle of the sun. And they went to great lengths to be able to show when we hit certain markers. Nowadays, we have cultures out there that celebrate and honor the solstices and the equinoxes. They can have, in whatever name they use, different types of fire festivals, holy days, what have you, that seem to align with these days in the year. So that's the different types of things that led to the founders of Wicca to come up with these spokes, these holidays or holy days on the wheel of the year. Now, Letha in particular, there is no religion out there that has a holiday named Letha that this got adopted from. Letha has been around as a word. It was actually used to describe the gentle months of the year, gentle quote unquote, being July or June and July. If you live in Minnesota or anywhere that has very strong climates where it gets 100 plus degrees Fahrenheit, it does not feel gentle at all. But again, these are from a different area of the world where the climate is a bit different. Now, I think it was Anglo-Saxon words for like first Letha and second Letha or whatever it was for June and July. But yeah, that's where it came from. And then people took that word, said, all right, well, we're just going to plop it onto the summer solstice. Boom, we have the name of this. And that's how Letha got its name within Wicca and the Wheel of the Year. Now, let's get into its significance in the Wheel of the Year. For those of you who are not familiar, the Wheel of the Year is an examination or reflection of the cycles of the year based on those quarters being the solstices and the equinoxes and the cross quarters being the time frame in between each of those. And it starts off with Samhain, which is end of October, beginning of November, which is basically seen as the the new year as we're going into the dark. We have Yule, which is the winter solstice, Imolk, which is a cross quarter in the beginning of February, Ostara, which ties over to the spring equinox, Beltane, which is a cross quarter in the beginning of May, Litha, which is the summer equinox, Lunasa, which is a cross quarter in the beginning of August, and then Mabin, which is the fall equinox. Now, the interesting thing in all of this is if you take a look at the Sabbaths beforehand, those those spokes in the wheel of the year, we have Beltane, Ostara, and Imolk. Imolk is that start of the spring. And depending on where you're at, this could also be when the plants are starting to come out of the ground, when people start looking like the prospect of planting. Ostara, hardcore is the start of planting season in, in more warmer climates, with it also being the spring equinox. Beltane, when you start getting into the higher levels or lower levels beyond the equator, where temperatures can be a little bit more variant. I would say that Beltane is closer to the start of the growing season for those areas. Then we go to the flip side when we look at the following three Sabbaths, Lunasa, Mabin, and Samhain. Those are all three harvest types of Sabbaths. They're focusing on 
the grain, the vegetation, and then wrapping things up when it comes to that growing season. We have litha, which is right in the middle. It's not one of the three growing seasons. It's not one of the three harvest seasons. It's in that limbo or transitional state between the two of them. And what's cool to think about with this is is a time to relax. It is a time to recognize we have reached the height of what we can do, and it is all downhill from here. We are getting ready to reap what we are sowing. We are tidying things up. We've put on all of our energy on it. It is the brightest day of the year. It is also the day of the year where you're encouraged to rest, relax, not have to worry about things because you got all your work done. One of the things also comes up with this is this feeling that the dark is going to start overtaking the light. So when we hit the solstice, when we hit the highest day of the year, when it comes to the amount of sunlight we get, everything that comes up must come down. And that leads to us starting to have the darkness, the day is starting to become shorter and shorter and shorter. And then finally getting to the winter solstice when it's the shortest daytime and the longest nighttime. When we look at the wheel of the year and how it ties to other cultures or other mythos, one of the things that comes up, especially when people love to mix in Celtic mythology with Wicca and the wheel of the year, is this whole concept of the Oak King versus the Holly King. The Oak King is seen as the consort of the goddess. We're talking like older, traditional, more established. And the Holly King is like young and spry and is very much into the the change aspect. And the solstice is when the Holly King starts to overtake the Oak King. In some traditions or some belief systems, the Holly King actually kills the Oak King during this time frame. And as the sign of the young overtaking the old, the next generation starting to come in and do their thing. We see this in some mythologies, for instance, in Welsh mythology. We have Lu, as in Lu was the spouse of Blodioeth, who gets overthrown or killed by Blodioeth's newer lover. You have other mythoses as well, where you have the young upstart who goes up against the established solar deity or established deity and wins, whether through trickery or what have you. The idea here is we have hit that one point and now we're going to start having change happening, which leads over to the subtle energy part. If you're not familiar with subtle energy, this is a concept that there is energy out there beyond the senses or beyond what we can measure with physical tools. I can tell you from my experience that the summer solstice always feels very active, like something is about to change. And it is the weirdest thing out there. Even if I feel like everything is slow, there is that undercurrent of things feeling like they're going 60 miles an hour or like they are about to launch. And I'm not sure why that is, whether it's because I'm in tune with the subtle energies of this time of the year or whether it's that I simply have a busy calendar because it is sunny and active and a time to be outside. So, of course, it is going to feel busy for me. This then brings us to that final part. How do you integrate this time of the year and its subtle energies into your own life. 
I have a couple of options out there for you, depending on where you are at and what is going on. If you're someone who has a goal for this year and you have not had a chance to start it, it's perfectly okay. Much like how we have different growing seasons around the world based on where we are relative to the equator, individually, we can have different growing seasons. You can still plant your proverbial seeds now to get things up and going. There's no too late period, as it were. At the same time, if you feel like you've already done everything you can towards your goals, it's a sign for you to rest. You don't always have to be pushing yourself to get things done. Give the universe a chance to catch up and have those little side things that can affect what you're going for, have a chance to show up, have a chance to be supportive. It's much like the plants that are outside. You can only water them so much. If you water them even more, you might kill the plant. Let the plant have a chance to grow, have a chance to breathe, have a chance to take in everything. Those sorts of things. The same is true to your own life. Sometimes the way that you're able to move forward is by not pressing down on the accelerator. This could also be a time for transformation. Summer solstice is one of those fire festivals, which is a time of the year to celebrate the strength of the sun. Fire corresponds to a couple of different things. When I talk with my clients about tarot and the suit of wands, which is associated with fire, it is about passion, the things that excite us, the things that piss us off, the things that we may want to have burned away. So this can be a time to reinvigorate yourself, to focus on inner transformation, or to focus on releasing and letting go of the things that no longer serve you. What sounds weird for a summer solstice to be about clearing and elimination, I see it more like with the full moon. You can only have so much stuff in your area. And for you to grow, eventually some of that stuff has to go away. So that's why I see the summer solstice as another opportune time to release, have gratitude, but ultimately release and let go of things so new things can continue to grow in your life. And then there is another activity that I found when reading A Year of the Witch by Temperance Alden, which is an amazing book if you're looking for something that is a bit more contemporary when it comes to how to honor the wheel of the year. And that is the concept of shadow work. It was Carl Jung that said that the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And that's where this comes from. The shadow side, when it comes to the human psyche, is all of those different things that we repressed or hid from ourselves or things that we buried, whether good or bad, because it was inappropriate or because it was an inconvenient time to feel those feelings. Well, this is a time of the year where we can embrace that shadow. The light from the sun is casting the shadows to make it visible to us for us to work on that inner transformation work. And I'm not going to go into detail on that shadow work ritual. I strongly recommend that you check out Year of the Witch for that. But it is a time where you can also engage in shadow work because that light does highlight those parts of us on it. I hope that you found what I shared today to be helpful when it comes to figuring out how to integrate the summer solstice, aka Letha, into your own spiritual practice. With that, I'd like to pivot to what's coming up over the next few weeks. A week from now, on June 25th, I'm going to be bringing on Alex Fink, who is the founder and CEO of Otherweb. 
to talk about the good, bad, and ugly of AI. Artificial intelligence has been a hot-button topic for a while due to various things, both positive and negative. I wanted to bring on another guest to talk about his experience with AI and how he uses AI for good. The following week, which is going to be July 6th, I'm bringing on Matthew Garner, the author of Swept Up Lessons from the End Times, to discuss the impact of one's religious upbringing on adult life, especially when it comes to things that we've been taught about like Armageddon or similar types of events and how that impacts us in the here and now as adults when it comes to that childhood religious conditioning. We're going to wrap up this week's episode of Spiritual AF Sundays. Take some time for yourself. Reflect on the things that you've planted already in the year, whether it is physically like your nice little plants or proverbially the different goals and aspirations that you have. And look at what you've done so far and recognize that the best is yet to come. And if you do have obstacles that are in your way, those obstacles will come and go. If it feels big right now, understand it may not feel as immense later on. It's a matter of recognizing that all things change. With that, have a spiritual AF week. Thank you for joining us for Spiritual AF Sundays. This show is hosted by the Mystic Geek, that's me. Got comments or questions from today's episode? You can either email me at jess at themysticgeek.com or send me a voice message at speakpipe.com slash themysticgeek. Don't worry, I'll put the link in the show notes. Help others start off their week with a spiritual AF Sunday by sharing this episode with them. Also, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts help spiritual seekers find our show. So do the thing. 